This episode of The Latest is brought to you by The Latest. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. And feel free to leave a comment or review, like this one from Alyssa Love 280 who said the following about our episode covering the protests in Portland. I want to chat with you. Write me here, please. POFsex.com. My nickname, Muna. Thanks for your feedback, Alyssa. Enjoy the show. It's Monday, August 31. I'm Greg Ott. This is the latest. Republicans wrap their unconventional convention on Thursday with President Trump humbling Democrats and presenting himself as the defender of American values. Total honesty is what we as citizens deserve from our president. Your vote will decide whether we protect law-abiding Americans or whether we give free reign to violent anarchists and Those voices are discussing the Republican National Convention, the GOP version of Coachella, where bands are swapped out for white nationalists. Seeking to strike a positive tone concerning the future direction of the country, Republicans left viewers with an unmistakably optimistic message. If you haven't already been killed in Donald Trump's America, you'll definitely be killed in Joe Biden's America. Over the course of the four-evening affair, the likes of Mike Pence, Trace Adkins, and Melania Trump each took to the stage to remind the country of what it looks like when your career doesn't quite work out the way you had intended. Mark and Patricia McCloskey, the menacing St. Louis couple who answered the question of who would shop at Kohl's if they sold automatic weapons, asserted that the Democrats want to abolish the suburbs altogether, accelerating the decline of those who already live in Schaumburg because a more interesting life hadn't panned out. The president's son's wife rousingly misquoted Abraham Lincoln by lifting words that he never said from a Facebook meme, a step up from the Jefferson Davis phrases Stephen Miller typically cribs off of parlor. And the father of a student murdered at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School claimed that members of the far left were responsible for his daughter's death because she had been killed by people not gun control laws, which must explain why you load AR-15 magazines with pages from the congressional record. But the star of the show, burning out like a giant ball of gas as all stars do, was President Donald Trump. After he pardoned a former felon in front of the cameras as if he were a Thanksgiving turkey, granted citizenship to five immigrants in what looked like the bachelor's rose ceremony just off the rose garden, and gave his eldest daughter the opportunity to run for student council in prime time, Mr. Trump laid out his core message to be re-elected to a job that he doesn't enjoy doing. Clocking in at over 6,000 words, spanning 70 minutes, the president characterized his detractors as Marxist revolutionaries, socialist abolitionists, and, perhaps worst of all, Americans. Asking for a second term as leader of the free world, Mr. Trump worried that, under democratic control, cancel culture will run rampant, robbing Scarlett Johansson of the opportunity to play more Asian characters. Extreme late-term abortion will be embraced until the moment a child enters middle school. And this country's borders will remain open to anyone who wishes to enter, so they can pursue the American dream of catching the virus in a Walmart from an unemployed college football fan who refuses to wear a mask because he watched a YouTube video by a guy who washes windows for a living who says he's smarter than a doctor. Between the two conventions, we heard plenty of on-brand propaganda from each of this country's two preeminent political parties. The Democratic Party wants everyone to be so nice to each other that we're smiling all the time. And if our faces hurt from all the smiling, don't worry, the health insurance is free. And the Republican Party wants you to be able to simply mind your own business while they fully intrude on your business. 
Now, in the last episode, I characterized the race between Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump as an obvious choice of good versus bad. Would you prefer to have the chicken this evening or the lasagna filled with glass? But after watching both conventions, it became more clear to me that this choice is not so obvious. After all, the glass is covered in a thin layer of mozzarella and marinara. Because the Democratic Party, for the time being, is the party of reality. The reality of needing health insurance, needing mail, needing meaningful police reform, and needing to hear from a member of the Clinton family precisely once every four years, no more, no less. But between the empty ear canals of the conservative news media and the jihadist recruitment network known as Facebook, the grand old party is the grand old party of pure fantasy. I'd be inclined to believe that most Republicans have Oculus Rifts strapped to their heads, if not for the fact that they have an aversion to covering their faces in public. During the convention, the president's economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, referred to the pandemic in the past tense, kind of like how he used to be a coke addict. And it's not surprising to me that he and so many others in his party are pretending that the pandemic has subsided when almost nothing has changed in six months. Especially when you consider that many of those very same people are the ones who boo wearing masks in a crowd, believe that the letter Q is kicking sex offenders off of Sesame Street, and think that Mr. Trump is a religious man because he showers himself in praise while pretending to drop money in the collection basket. Now, I'm, I'm not under the impression that by laying this all out, I will be changing anyone's mind. Wait a second, Mr. Trump isn't telling the truth is not a likely epiphany for the kinds of people who believe that magician really pushed that quarter through the dinner table on that cruise ship. But for anyone else who's considering sitting out this election, who hasn't made a plan to vote by mail or in person, or thinks that things aren't really going to get much worse than they already are, I hope that you'll consider taking action against the people currently holding the White House before their fantasy becomes our reality. And now it's time for the O.J. Simpson Twitter update. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. This is me, yours truly. Yours truly. My guest today is Jeff Garceau, a policy analyst for the city of Chicago. Jeff, thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Last Tuesday, O.J. weighed in on Mr. Trump's campaign slogan. Hey, Twitter world. It's me, yours truly. When I got to the golf course today, one of my buddies was wearing his MAGA hat. <laughs> I was teasing him a little bit. He said, man, why does everybody get on my case? When I wear this hat, I said, well, first of all, I ain't on your case. I think make America great is great. It's the again that bothers me. That has a lot of different connotations. You know, when I was born, um, uh, uh, Harry S. Truman was the president. After Truman, we had Eisenhower, uh, then Kennedy and then Johnson and then Nixon, uh, um, um, Ford, Carter, uh, Reagan, Bush, uh, Clinton, the other Bush. Uh, Obama, and correct me if I'm wrong, through all those presidents, America was great. We were the number one nation there is. All of these politicians today, they're standing on the shoulders of the giants who ran this country before them. It's like a friend of mine, I call him a CW, <laughs> I don't want to say his name, in Miami always says, uh, you can't start on third base and then take credit for hitting a home run. I'm just saying, take care, make sure you vote. Jeff, what do you think about what OJ had to say? 
He's right, really, that the country has always had aspects of it that are great, and there are always aspects of the government and the country that need to be improved, and it's our job to improve them. And a necessary but not sufficient uh, tool in improving the country is to vote. So everyone should go vote. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about OJ? He's a murderer. That's this week's OJ Simpson Twitter update. Jeff, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. And that's the latest written, recorded, produced by Greg Ott. OJ Simpson Twitter update produced by Christy Forsh. Please keep listening. The show's not over. Uh, tell a friend to subscribe. They can do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those weird apps. But please tell a friend to listen to the show if you don't mind. And even if you do mind, just consider doing it. Old episodes and transcripts on latestpod.com. I'm at underscore Greg Ott on Twitter. Yeah, right. See you soon. And by see you soon, I mean hear you soon. And by hear you soon, I mean you'll be hearing me soon. And by hearing me soon, I mean you'll soon be hearing me do another episode of this podcast. 